to unfairfines.raisely.com. That's unfairfines.raisely.com. 3CR is proudly Union Radio. Green Left Weekly Radio. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests, and that's Green Left Weekly. It's a people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movement. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. And top of the morning to you. It is Friday morning and <coughs> you're on 3CR and you are listening to Green Left Radio. And Hello. It's 7 o'clock. 702. 702. Right? Oh, <laughs> well, according to this, 701 and uh, 17 seconds. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Mm, Who uh, is in the studio, Zane? Introduce us. Come on. Myself, Zane, we've got Lily with us. Hi. Um, and Megan. Megan. Yes. So we have three people in today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well. So Guten Morgen. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm glad to be outnumbered by women for once because it's <laughs> usually There's more males in male here than females. Yeah, we definitely need more female radio presenters. Word. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, um, we're going to be playing a bit of uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander music today for NAIDOC Week. And we have got an interview with Mary Merkinich coming up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she's going to be talking about um, animal liberation and capitalism. Um, now, actually, that segues neatly into the um, acknowledgement of country with uh, NAIDOC Week this week, National NAIDOC Week. So did you want to do the acknowledgement of country? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, we're coming at you from 3CR Studios, and that the studios in Smith Street here are based on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri and uh, Boon peoples, I think, of the Kulin Nation. And, yeah, sovereignty was never ceded, and we pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Excellent. And yeah, it's, uh, it's NAIDOC week. So, um, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander week to celebrate all things, um, uh, from a culture that's, um, at least 60,000 years old, uh, the oldest continuous culture in the world. Um, at least 60,000 years old. It's, um, probably more, but we just have to find more evidence. It looks getting older and older as we speak. Um, yeah, excellent. So lots of things happening. Um, and, uh, we'll talk to you about those. Um, in the studio, we have a guest, Lily. Uh, Lily is a high schooler. Um, she's passionate about all things social justice and the environment. Um, and she's also been helping out with the school strike for climate. Um, so yes, yeah, say hello to everyone, Lily. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so Lily's coming in. Um, and yeah, she's going to be, um, having a chat to us as well. Yeah. Very Great. Cool. Okay. So what do we got for the week? What interesting, burning, 
issues do we have? I think we were talking about this before. We wanted to talk about the tax cuts for the rich. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about the um, the Chinese social credit um, system that's coming in in 2020 and the ramifications for that. Um, we've got. Um, did you, we were going to talk about the um, the action, the barbecue, and the MUA um, thing as well. Uh, there's quite a number of issues. It's always um, packed with news. We've just got to sort out what we're actually going to talk about. So yeah. Yes. Mm. And also, Zane, did you organise a rap? Because that's pretty cool. <laughs> sure, I could, yeah, sure I could do one. Of my you could do raps. something. Okay, yeah. excellent, good stuff. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what do yeah, we want to start with? Tax cuts. Ah. It's old news now because it happened yeah. a week ago, but it's I always it good does, to analyse it. And yeah, it bears repeating because it's mm. such uh, such a terrible thing. It is. Uh, yeah. So there's an article in the latest Green Left Weekly by Peter Boyle, Labor votes for coalition's billions in tax cuts for the rich. It's an image that captured Labor's class betrayal on July 3, the first day of the new federal parliament. A division had been called in the House of Representatives over the coalition government's bill for huge tax cuts, which will disproportionately benefit the rich, erode progressive income tax, by making marginal tax rates flatter and force more cuts to public health, education and welfare. On the one side sat the sole Greens MP in the lower house, Adam Bant, and independent MP Andrew Wilkie. On the other, Labor and Coalition MPs. The tax cuts then passed through the Senate the following day, with only Green senators voting against. Uh, so, yeah, the tax cuts uh, in institute... Uh, Analysis by the Grattan Institute says that uh, 60% of the benefits of these tax cuts will go to the top 20% of taxpayers. Mm. And there's a little chart going around that's been shared around from the, um, I think it's from the Unemployed Workers Union or, or um, maybe Raise the Rate, one of those um, groups campaigning to raise the rate of new start. So we've been told over the last probably three or four years since there's been this campaign to raise the rate mm. of new start and use allowance that, oh, we can't afford it, it's too expensive. Mm. I think um, raising the, the rate of new start by 50 bucks a week would cost something, it'd be less than $10 billion a year. And yet here we are with, uh, depending who you ask, somewhere in the vicinity of 30 or $40 billion a year of tax cuts. Yeah. The overwhelming, like the biggest chunk of which is going to people on 180 grand or more. So it's mm. yeah, it's people who are really doing it tough on 180 grand a year. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, th- this is look. It's not surprising, but once again, it's disappointing. Labor has supported this. Um, I I honestly don't understand why people think that Labor is for the workers because, once again, this has happened. And, and you know, we've got Labor apologists saying, oh, but it wouldn't have passed in the upper house anyway. You know what? That's no excuse for actually voting for it because if you vote against it, you make your, you know, your actual views about the tax cuts known. If you vote for it, you're endorsing the tax cuts. It doesn't matter if it gets through or not. The Greens voted against it. They knew that it was, you know, it may not, it was probably going to get up anyway, but they voted against it because they disagree fundamentally with what it's doing, which is funneling more money into the upper echelons. And remember these tax cuts the next time our government says, 
oh, we can't afford this social service. We can't afford that social service. We're really sorry. We don't have the money. Mm. Yeah, we don't have the money because we funneled it into uh, rich people's pockets, basically. Mm. Yeah. And that's on top of all these multinational corporations paying no tax. Zero tax. On huge profits. Absolutely. And a lot of them are getting away with also underpaying their staff as well. So they're broadening the system on a number of levels. Um, We have so much revenue that we've just decided, well, our government has decided, no, they don't want. They just want to give it to their rich mates. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. So mm. definitely remember who voted for those tax cuts because it wasn't just the LNP. Yeah. Okay. Well, what else did you want to have a chat about? Um, um, I can talk about the, the Chinese social credit system, actually. Yes, please um, do. Please do. So uh, there is, um, there's a social credit system. So basically there are a number of social credit systems um, around the world in China, um, some independent ones. But as of 2020, the Chinese government is going to instate a social, a government-run social credit system, uh, and I believe this is going to be compulsory for um, for everyone, for every Chinese national, to have um, to be a part of this. Um, and it's it's garnered a lot of negative attention, and, and rightly so. Um, it's based on how it seems to want to engineer what the government considers good behaviour, in inverted commas. Um, today, social credit really only exists as part of various disparate systems set up by the local governments across the country in China, um, but the national one is going to be um, accessing national data, so national digital data. There's also going to be some written data that they'll be able to access as well, um, but the... the Basically, the, it's it's the um, the digital data that's really going to impact upon people because this is really quick access stuff. So um, some of the ramifications of um, engaging in bad behaviour, what the Chinese government considers bad behaviour, which is things like um, speaking out against the government, uh, not paying your debts, um, you know, things that are basically considered antisocial. Um, the, the ramifications are things like um, being banned from social media, um, even more scary, being banned from travelling out of the country or mm. even travelling on transport within the country, yeah. which is absolutely crazy. So if you look at it, um, if, you, if you look at, um, uh, you know, the average um, uh, Chinese national, if you can't, if you're in a financial situation where you can't pay a fine or you can't pay... Um, you know, a bill, etc. That will be deducted from your social credit and will actually be detrimental to your standing as a citizen. Um, if you speak out against the country, that will be deducted from your social credit and, uh, you know, and reduce your social standing in society. So there's such a pressure to um, to not speak out, to, to, to do all of the right things, to be a good government citizen, and it's actually quite scary. I'm really surprised that it's not um, more in the media than it is because this is just an absolutely... It's a black mirror type thing. <laughs> We're looking at black mirror on a countrywide scale in China. Um, I read recently that there was an MMA fighter um, who uh, who has dedicated himself to taking down um, fake uh, martial arts masters, um, and he took down a Tai Chi master. And basically, the government stepped in and said, um, "You know, bad boy, you are now not allowed on social credit." Uh, sorry, you're not allowed on social media. 
uh, you've been banned from um, travelling, from domestic travel. Oh, and by the way, if he had children, that ban would also be extended to them, which is really crazy. Um, yeah, so this is... Um, yeah, we really need to maybe do an analysis on this sort of thing. I can um, gather a whole bunch of information and we can do a little bit of a report here because this is um, censorship on a countrywide scale that uses your social standing to censor what you can do and say, which is absolutely mm. scary. Mm. It is totally scary, yeah. So, yeah. Nasty stuff and mm. it's... Uh... Really, really worrying because... Um, as I said, it can be extended to your family. If you have children, the ramifications of what you can do, what you do, can be extended to them. Innocent people can can reap the negative benef- negative rewards of what you do. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> yes, it's like that uh, Black Mirror episode. Mm, I've been watching it unfold, and it's just been like a slow train wreck. And it really hasn't gotten much media sort of traction, I believe, here in the West. And I always wonder why that is. And I just wonder, well, because China is a very big trading partner of ours, and you know, do we we may want to step lightly in criticising them and their human rights record, etc., because they do trade a significant amount of trade with Australia. Um, that's always, you know, I think part of one of the reasons why we don't criticise, um, you know, human rights abuses. And this social credit system is a, is a wide-reaching human rights abuse. It's just, it's, this, the scale of it is absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Mm. And it wouldn't surprise me if it gets sort of rebadged and re-envisaged and it comes here and uh, rather than being a government-mandated thing that's sort of forced on people from above, I would see it being implemented here as more like national security amendments to Facebook Mm. or something. Um, And, you know, it might be better for you to get a job if you had, you know, if your employer could look at your rating, you know, it's just easier access to information, you know, Mm. about you and about your activities, etc. We would be screwed, Dane, (laughs) as activists and people who speak out against the government on a regular basis. We would not be Mm. in a good position. Neither would you, Lily, (laughs) even though you're a high schooler. You're speaking out uh, against the government on environmental issues. Bad, bad girl. (laughs) Yeah. So what else have we got? Now, um, we actually have in about 15 minutes an interview um, with Mary Merkinich, uh, who is a socialist and also an animal liberation um, advocate. Um, we're going to be talking to her about um, animal liberation issues in regards uh, to the context of socialism and capitalism. Um, uh, we, there's a um, Green Left Weekly um, public meeting on ab- animal liberation and capitalism. That's uh, next Tuesday, the 16th at 6.30 at the Resistance Centre um, 407 Swanston Street. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that later, but we're just going to be exploring the issue a little bit. Um, we did actually want to get... Um, so we had someone from Seed here um, on the show last week. That was a really great uh, interview. So uh, Seed is an organisation that um, links um, Indigenous youth with um, their, their land uh, and, connect to, uh, and uh, makes a social connection for them. Um, that was really good. Um, we had, I think, Jacob in the studio. Unfortunately, 
ultimately we couldn't get in. What we wanted to do is have a look at Indigenous issues from a legal perspective this week, but um, unfortunately we couldn't get um, NATSALS, which is a National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander legal service, um, unfortunately couldn't be um, available for interview and neither could the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Um, ironically, um, because they're too busy uh, doing NAIDOC week activities, <laughs> which is awesome that they're doing that. Um, but we've got um, we've got a few other um, things, so so we're going to be looking at um, playing some uh, indigenous music, and I've also got a media release from Natsals um, about defunding of um, the indigenous legal assistance program. Um, so yeah, did we want to play some music, or we've got any announcements or anything like that, Zane? I reckon I'm just scrolling through the music here, mm-hmm. and I am seeing what would appear to be new music from the last connection. Oh. Which is really cool. Uh, yeah. Who are an Aboriginal hip hop um, band? They're based in Newcastle, although I think um, two of the singers and their names escape me at the moment um, are originally from Queensland and are mm. um, Murray um, activist MCs. I'm going to chuck on a track called 1995, which features Ozzy Battler from um, The Herd. And, yeah, pretty sure this is new music from The Last Connection. So, get amongst it.
Archie. <laughs> last Connection. Uh, yeah, that sounds like New Last Connection, I reckon. And Last Connection, uh, based in Newcastle, um, DJ JT, and then brothers and sisters Joel Wenatong and Naomi Wenatong. And, yeah, if you get a chance to see them live, check them out, because they're mm. a rad crew. And they were touring probably... Oh, 10 years ago or more wow. and had a really serious car accident and mm. they were very lucky to uh, to all survive that um, mm. but yeah it's great to see that they're back with new music so, yeah. that's really good, no I like mm. that song yeah yeah, yeah. yeah excellent, excellent. alright what's going Alrighty. on righty. I don't know um, I will just play a quick announcement actually and it's regarding uh, the comedy debate Panic, there is a planet B. Come along to a sparkling night of progressive comedy at Greenleaf Weekly's annual comedy debate. Join Masters of Ceremonies, Rod Quantock with Sean Bedlam, Duff, Fiona Scott Norman, Hellchild, Kirsty Mack, and Tom Tanuki. Tickets are $50 Solidarity, $30 Regular, $22 Low Waged, and $12 Concession. There'll be a bar and the opportunity to buy a delicious dinner. Friday the 26th of July, 6.30pm at the Brunswick Town Hall. Don't panic, there is a Planet B, a fundraiser for the radical newspaper Green Left Weekly. Bookings are essential, phone 9639 8622 or go to trybooking.com forward slash BDHTX. Green Left Weekly is a 3CR supporter. heard that announcement. It's nice, easy listening music. It's very summery, isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Oh, it's cold winter, don't right? mention the summer yet. Don't mention the summer yet. I'll, I'll get, um, I'll get summer sick. I really want the warm <laughs> weather to come about. Yeah. So that is Green Left Weekly's major fundraiser for the year. I'm really looking forward to that. So that's um, what day is that? That July is 26th. Friday, July the 26th. Auspicious date. Yes. Doors open at 6:30. Mm. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, MC Rod Quantock. Now, if you've been around about a bit, um, you'll probably know that Rod Quantock has sort of been running around in activist circles for many, many decades. Um, Rod's a really, really good sort. Um, <laughs> I know him from Captain Snooze, you know, the Captain <laughs> Snooze ads. <laughs> so he was yeah. already famous when I met him, actually. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's <laughs> going to haunt him. He <laughs> absolutely is. Yeah. Although I guess the younger generation don't really know about the Captain Captain's news thing, but um, yeah. no, Rod's been emceeing and um, hosting um, act- activist rallies and being involved for, for many, many decades. Um, Rod's a really great comedian and, um, you know, obviously very principled person. Um, we've got some great um, uh, great comedians. We, so we've got um, Duff, Fiona Scott Norman, Hellchild, Kirsty Mack, Sean Bedlam and Tom Tanuki. 
And there's also dinner available. So there's a and bar as well. Of course, we've got drinks. Um, I think um, so. They're extra, and so the tickets are for the actual comedy debate, and then you can pay for your dinner and your your beer, etc. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to that one. So that's at the Brunswick Town Hall. So yeah, and you can um you can go to try bookings. Oh, there's also a phone number here. So that's um the phone number to actually contact for tickets or more information. Uh, nine six three nine eight six double two, and they have with regards to dinner they can cater to vegans and vegetarians absolutely there'll be lots of um, variety for them yeah yeah it's a fun night the uh, comedy debate it and is. it's happening on july 26 which mm. is the sort of precursor of the cuban revolution was the july 26 movement Ooh, very mm. appropriate mm. so yeah. There you go. And um, I went to the last one, and um, people get loud and rowdy. I think there's a lot of beer and alcohol consumed, mm. <laughs> as long as they're having fun. Yeah, mm. no, it's, it's really good value. I love it. And yeah, Rod Quantock would do his alter ego, which is uh, he used to be Captain Snooze, <laughs> and now it's going to be Captain Wake Up and Overthrow Capitalism. Overthrow the system. Yeah. Captain Wake Up and Smash the State. Yeah. I think Rod uh, used to lead... Uh, um, sort of like mm, left-wing walking tours of Melbourne <gasps> for tourists. I really want to do them. <laughs> and he'd like, Radical history, yeah. yeah and he'd, he'd like take, we were talking before about the Chinese social mm. credit thing, he'd bring groups of like Chinese tourists up to the resistance centre and show them around. Oh my gosh, <laughs> really? Does he still do these tours? He um, would be perfect. So, but yeah, yeah, oh, what a pity. Good. We'll have to ask mm. him um, mm. at the comedy debate. I reckon Rod hosting a radical tour of Melbourne would just be the perfect way to spend a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Mm. That would just be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And all the other comedians. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very funny. Mm, yeah, it's a good lineup. Um, so we are going to be talking to Mary soon. We'll get her on the line soon. And um, we're just going to be talking to her um, about animal liberation and its relation to uh, socialism and capitalism, etc. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, maybe if we go to a couple of announcements um, and then we can chat to Mary and have a look at some ideas that she's she's got going. Um, it's a very, look, it, the... Um, the animal liberation movement is, is significantly growing and there's a lot of vegans and vegetarians out there uh, and, and it's getting bigger and bigger and the, the younger generation is um, really, really taking it on board. There's a lot of different reasons, I guess, you know, um, there's and the, the, the animal liberation reason, there's the environment reason, etc. There's a lot of personal reasons as well. Um, so, yeah, that's really, it's a really interesting idea. And so, Lily, maybe we can talk a little bit about you. You're a, you're a vegetarian, is that right? Uh, yes, yeah, I am. Fantastic. And you're in year 10? Uh, yeah. So um, we mentioned before that you um, were part of the sort of school strike for climate. Um, do you want to maybe tell us a bit about why campaigning for the environment, environmental issues is really important to you? Um, well, just like our planet, you know, it's clearly obvious that it isn't, in a good state and we're just wrecking yeah. it like every single day and it's just getting worse and we've seen over and over the government is doing jack shit about it and so like mm. you know like I feel like we have to do something because they're not doing anything no they're not 
Um, with like with your peers and everything, do you find that there's maybe um, a little bit of angst and a bit of fear about their future on on the planet? Yeah, I feel like we're all a little scared, like about what's happening and how that, like you know, in a like in about ten years it might be irreversible or something like that. Mm. I don't know the exact statistics, but it's like it's. You know, it isn't like a long distance thing anymore. It's pretty close. No. Like it will definitely affect us during our lifetimes mm. and even in your lifetime. Absolutely, as, yeah. As and well, so it's kind of like you know, we're all a little scared and you know want change and stuff. No, definitely. Um, it's actually it's so inspiring to watch the school strike for climate. To be honest, mm. it's been fantastic. Um, I might just Zane, did you want to go to the uh, to an announcement and then um, we'll come back and we'll be speaking to Mary, but we'll talk more to you about that um, that issue. Okay. Yeah. What's up, listeners? This is Johnny Mac here. Just reminding everybody to tune in to 3CR at 11am each day from Monday, July the 8th to Friday, July the 12th for our special Beyond the Bars broadcast during NADOC. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. So make sure to listen in and support our brothers and sisters until they're home again. I just think that it's ironic that the state of Victoria want to treaty with Aboriginal people but have no issue in destroying our sacred sites. War is devastating on the environment. In peacetime, the military is a huge user of fossil fuels, a huge driver of nuclear energy and ultimately the architect of nuclear weapons. Subscribe to 3CR in 2019, fighting for social justice and environmental change. And to all the people that are so afraid of the solutions to climate change that they choose to live in denial instead, the current solutions to the climate emergency are much easier to cope with than the outcomes that will come if we don't. Feed Radical Radio. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Follow, follow the sun, which way the wind blows. I was sitting on the corner of Mission and
Cadillac and a Mustang by TV's Dan Sultan, bringing you some more rad Aboriginal music as part of NADOC Week. Awesome. That was really good. Just to give a plug, make sure you're listening to 3CR today uh, from 11 till 1 p.m. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Beyond the Bars are doing a broadcast from uh, Barwon Prison in Lara, and then from 1 till 2 p.m., uh, today from the uh, Karinga, the Karinga an- Annex at, at Lara. So, yeah, mm. that's bringing you updates from behind the bars uh, in this country where we have apartheid rates of jailing of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Yeah, um, I think uh, I I can't remember which um, institution um, up far north, but uh, apparently 100% of the youth um, incarcerated there were Aboriginal. In the NT. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know Disgusting. apparently that's not a problem, and apparently that's that's not an issue at all, according to the governments. Um, yeah. but not a sign of massive structural mm, exactly yeah, statistically so. how can that happen if we do not have this unfair kind of um, system and, and lack of community support um, which actually segues I, I might actually just read um, mm. this, this media release <clears throat> excuse me if you don't mind so um, one of the things about, um, uh, you know, community support for Indigenous issues is the fact that uh, a lot of these not-for-profits are local, they're community-based, and so uh, people in the community feel like they can approach these organisations for assistance, for legal assistance, for social services assistance, all of these sorts of things. And so funding for these organisations is really, really important to stop this systemic racist, um, you know, crap that happens um but we seem to have a government we do have a government who doesn't think that these kind of local um support networks are important at all they don't seem to think that they're um you know that they're needed and so um 
We have an issue where um, there's been a defunding of the Indigenous Legal Assistance Program, um, the ILAP, and there's a media release put out by NATSELS, which is a National um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Service, uh, and this was put out this week, and it's entitled, Our Communities Have a Right to Know. This NAIDOC week, the government is planning to disband the Indigenous Legal Assistance Program, uh, and NATSELS is calling for hash justice by us. Uh, during NAIDOC week, the National Peak Body for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Services, NATSELS, is calling on the federal government to retain the Indigenous Legal Assistance Program, um, ILAP. Our communities have a right to know about issues that affect the future of our community-controlled services. So we are launching Hash Justice by Us, calling on the federal government to keep Aboriginal justice in Aboriginal hands this NAIDOC week, says Cheryl Axelby, co-chair of NATSELS. In the federal budget 2019 to 2020, uh, the government announced that from 2020, funding for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander legal services would be mainstreamed into a national mechanism, um, abolishing uh, the ILAP. And this NAIDOC is about uh, voice and truth-telling, yet the, future, the federal government's plans to abolish the Indigenous Legal Assistance Program threaten to community control over the essential services um, that ATSILs provide. If this government is serious about respectfully working in partnership with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities and peak bodies, it would retain the ILAP program, stated Miss Axelby. Over 100 legal, health, disability, social justice and human rights organisations are behind um, the call to retain the um, ILAP, uh, so signing an open letter to the federal government on the issue. Uh, we, are mo- we are the most incarcerated people in the world. We need to keep our ATSILs strong. There is clear demonstrated support for the government to maintain its commitment to self-determined ATSILs by retaining the Indigenous Legal Assistance Program, said Miss Axelby. These calls are supported by a recent independent review of ILAP and found that ATSILs, which is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander legal services, um, which are local to many communities around Australia, the ATSILs are cost-effective, efficient, culturally safe and the preferred legal service providers of Indigenous communities alongside family violence prevention legal services. The review recommended the Commonwealth's funding to be delivered through a standalone and specific program that directly funds ATSILs and NATSILs. Um, so, yeah, um, you can have a look on, on the NATSIL um, website. I think it's natsil.org.au, natsils.org.au. Um, but that, this is kind of part of a consistent program of defunding these, real, these local-based um, Indigenous-controlled uh, organisations that, ins- that assist Indigenous communities and deal with, you know, with problems specific to the Indigenous community. And as part of, like, I mean, really, it's it's really culturally insensitive to get rid of these and and you know, sort of instate these national um, sort of. Uh, organisations that are already removed from the community. Uh, we know that these these funding these these local funded programs work. So why are we getting rid of them? Um, and and were any uh, Indigenous peak bodies, you know, consulted on this? And I mean, honestly, I, I think that the answer is no because this happens a lot. It happens a lot with different, um, you know, different 
industries like the sex work industry, etc., who are never consulted when these kinds of things are brought up. So when you know when legislation is enacted, uh, you know when we, we're drawing up um, programs and, and and we're reorganising peak bodies, often the actual very communities that just benefit from these uh, services. I never consulted about what is best for them. Uh, it's kind of really, it's very patronising to have this uh, top down. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's quite sad. And I mean, and, and during NAIDOC week as well. So we pay lips, the government pays lip service to um, our, the, the longest standing uh, continuous culture in the world. And on the, the other hand, uh, takes money away from support structures for them. Yeah. Mm. And probably with these latest cuts to the rich, you could fund Aboriginal (laughs) legal services. Ten times over. You can fund them for a thousand years. Does that press release say how much their budget is? It doesn't, no. Um, But look, honestly, a lot of these organisations... It sounds like they're a very lean organisation. Yeah, run on a stewstring budget. Um, They usually have, like I know that Natsils has a couple of paid uh, people, but they often use uh, a lot of volunteers for their work etc. And so they run on choosing string budgets. They do a lot of work with very little money. They're very efficient. But apparently Bob in Brighton needs his second yacht and mm. so we do have to take money away from them and you know, very sorry with this is what needs to happen. Yeah. Mm. Which will just only further entrench the the apartheid mm. jailing rates of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in this country. Absolutely. Taking away community legal services. Mm. We had on the um on the show um, a couple of weeks back, we had Karen Fletcher from Flat Out, and um, she was just um, having a chat about women and incarceration for you know basic sort of non-violent crimes. Uh, and a lot of these women are Indigenous women, mm. and a lot of them have uh, children who are dependent on them. And so you have this idea that you know it's not as a bigger problem here, but uh, up in the north in the Northern Territory, etc. People, Indigenous people in particular, women are jailed for unpaid fines. And so basically you're jailed for being poor, which takes away your capacity to look after your children, uh, which then gets, um, you know, child services involved, uh, which means that your children could be taken away from you. And the same thing happens down here for, you know, nonviolent crimes. The women are incarcerated, even if it's for a short amount of time. Uh, their, their children are, are not looked after or, you know, um, sort of in precarious um, care situation, etc. It's really continuing this cycle of um, of poverty, of incarceration due to, po- you know, poverty and the circumstances surrounding it, um, which uh, unfortunately affects um, Indigenous communities way more than it does um, the wider community. And we don't seem to, as a community understand that there are so many reasons, so many long-standing reasons Mm. for these kinds of issues that come up, um, you know, in these communities. It's, um, yeah, just looking into it and looking at these absolute champs who just address these situations head on. They work on a shoestring budget. And, of course, the Liberal government doesn't particularly like them very much because they're a little bit lefty. They don't really, you know, they don't adhere to government philosophy. And so, yep, let's just willy-nilly cut their funding. Yep. Mm. Little bit of a bugbear of mine, but... So we're having trouble getting in touch with Mary. Yeah, might we might actually make a couple of announcements. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. All right.
Guatemala. I'm Black Betty, and you can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore black Australia and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2. Yeah, join me at 11 every Friday for some black and deadly sound. Appreciate community radio 855 on your end of the point of the people. Yeah, join me at 11 every Friday for some black and deadly sound. Appreciate community radio 855 on your end of the point of the people. I just think that it's ironic that the state of Victoria want to treaty with Aboriginal people but have no issue in destroying our sacred sites. War is devastating on the environment. In peacetime, the military is a huge user of fossil fuels, a huge driver of nuclear energy, and ultimately the architect of nuclear weapons. Subscribe to 3CR in 2019, fighting for social justice and environmental change. And to all the people that are so afraid of the solutions to climate change that they choose to live in denial instead, the current solutions to the climate emergency are much easier to cope with than the outcomes that will come if we don't. Feed Radical Radio? Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Follow, follow the sun. Which way the wind blows. You are listening to Green Left Radio on the Friday morning breakfast show, broadcast live on 3CR Radio 855 AM digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au Greenleft Radio is brought to you by the Greenleft Weekly Newspaper providing a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment before profit. Subscribe to Greenleft Weekly by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1-800-634-206 For new subscribers it's only $10 for the first seven issues. Yeah, it's Friday morning. You're on 3CR. Morning Screen being the active radio. word. <laughs> yeah. 8.55 on your AM dial. And also you can listen to us um, streamed on the website, 3cr.org.au. Mm. Yep. Indeed you do. Yes. Oh, hey, some news, by the way, guys. Um, we had our Radiothon. Um, we had that a couple of weeks ago, and we had a really great show. Mm. Uh, just wanted to let you know that we've hit... So what we do is we get people to call in and pledge um, their what they're going to uh, pay, and then later on we have to get them to pay it, <laughs> yes, which, which is a hard bit. <laughs> why we're introducing a new Greenleaf Radio social credit system. Uh, yeah, so if you don't pay your your donations get, to 3CR, yeah, well, yeah, and we will we're going to officially Melbourne. ban you from I don't know whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, good news. We've actually hit our um, so our um, actual. Uh, 
like the thing that we had to raise was a thousand dollars. We've already hit that. We had pledges of of almost thirteen hundred dollars. Would you believe? Yeah. And we've hit. I know, right? We rock, and also the three CR supporters rock. Um, but we we are just over a thousand dollars now. We've just got a couple of hundred dollars to um, get off people, and we have to follow up a few few um, people. But we are doing really well. And I've also just heard that three CR have hit. So their um, total um, count, their total target for this year was $250,000 to be raised, and I know that they've hit just over $200,000. So if you're listening and you didn't donate to um, the 3CR Radiothon, you can become a subscriber um, or you can donate directly. Um, So I'll give you um, the subscription rate. So it's $35 for concession, and this is for a year of subscription to 3CR. So $35 concession, pension or unwaged. Uh, $75 waged and $150 solidarity. So, you know, if you're a band or you're an organization or you want to just chuck $150, um, 3CR's way, um, you can get that solidarity subscription. Mm. So I do encourage people who haven't donated yet or haven't subscribed yet to do that. But even if you have donated and you want to go, you know what? I got a good pay this week. I might just chuck 3CR a bit of money. Little top um, up. Exactly. It'll help. Every little bit helps. And, and tax deductible oh, this time oh, next yes. year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'll, you'll have to wait a little while to, to get it back on tax, but you will get it back on tax, which is pretty awesome. And 3CR is absolutely important in this political landscape, this very worrying political landscape, mm-hmm. both national and global. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be that independent voice talking about issues that matter to people because corporate media isn't going to do it. And the government doesn't particularly want to do it, and they're not going to do it for us, of course, because, you know, there's no money to be made out of it. So we have to be the ones sitting there talking about issues that matter to workers, that matter to vulnerable people in the community, etc. Um, and this is what we do. We get up every Friday. We come in here. We drag our butts in here in the morning. Some people, like me, aren't morning people. <laughs> and we talk about the issues that matter because they matter and because we're passionate about making a better world. What do you reckon, Lily? You know, this is why you're in here. I don't know. Do teenagers get up (laughs) early in the morning much? Uh, It's funny. We've got Mm. a little bit of time before um, we're doing the activist calendar. Maybe, uh, did you have anything, Zane, or...? Let's talk about equal pay and the women's work. Yes, okay. So there's actually um, a Green Left Weekly article... um, that's recently been published, um, mm. and that is by Jake Johnston, uh, Johnson. Sorry, Jake Johnson. So, for those of you who've been living under a rock, um, the U.S. Uh, women's um, um, team has won the Women's World Cup, uh, and the in the title of the uh, <laughs> of the article cool. with, is with chance of equal pay and F Trump, because we can't say the word that it is, oh, yeah. uh, Women's World Cup becomes lightning rod for resistance. And, um, yeah, and Jake says, uh, almost as cool as the, uh, the Americans winning the Women's World Cup with a special bravo to fearless lesbian, purple-haired, knee-taking co-captain Megan Rapinoe, yeah. uh, who has made it quite clear that she's not going to the effing White House. <laughs> I know, right? There's actually, I have to mention this, there's a mm. gif going around the internet where she's kicking balls into um, into Trump and then he, just, he sort of goes into orbit. Uh. <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny. Um, was the way messy reality kept introducing um, onto the triumphant field 
um, Abby Zimmett wrote in Common Dreams. As the head of FIFA took this to the stage um, after the US 2-0 victory over the Netherlands, um, furious chanting of equal pay spread across the st- across mm. the stadium. Wow. Yeah. Um, probably because the women will earn roughly $30 million this year compared to the $440 million for the men, right? Now, this is, this is a team that has won the World Cup. We'll just keep that into perspective. Um, while those chants were still ringing in the ears of the sexist kleptocrats who've kept mm. women athletes down, Fox News reporter Greg Palcott went looking for some celebratory jingoism in a sports bar in Lyons, France. What he got was drowned out by US, a US patrons chanting, F Trump, F Trump. I saw the video of that. He was, he was trying to make light of it. Uh, Palkett tried to keep going, but nobody was listening because all they wanted to do was chant F Trump. <laughs> Uh, uh, After the US women's national soccer team defeated the Netherlands on Sunday to claim its fourth World Cup title, chants of equal pay rang out in the the crowds. I can't, that's awesome. The stadium was chanting it. It's brilliant. Yeah, there's like a video of it. It's like actually amazing. Oh, that's so inspiring. These people just chanting and, yeah, the soccer teams. (sighs) Imagine being those women who just won the World Cup. And now people are chanting around the stadium mm. to give them, you know, equal pay. Mm. So good. It's just, um, it says here, um, in efforts to combat this pay gap, 28 members of the 2015 women's team, which also won the World Cup, uh, sued the U.S. Soccer Federation on International Women's Day last year, demanding an end to the institutionalised gender discrimination. Um, as courts reported in March, despite being the victors in 2015, the most successful women's team in history, the U.S. team received a bonus of just $1.725 million from their employer, the U.S. Soccer Federation. A year earlier, that same federation had awarded the U.S. men's team bonuses totaling $5.375 million after they lost in the round of 16 and failed to qualify for the 200, 2018 Men's World Cup. So basically losing as a man gets you more money than winning as a woman. Mm. And we're not, and, and some people kind of go, oh yeah, but Women's World Cup's not very popular, etc. Actually, mm. it's extremely popular and it's gaining in popularity because of how successful the women have been as well. And it says um, a BuzzFeed reported a BuzzFeed reported on July 7th, women's soccer games have generated more revenue than the men's over the past three years. So not only mm. is it picking up steam with regards to popularity, it's now outdoing its men's counterpart, and yet the men get paid more. Mm. And I just wanted to say, uh, it's really funny, there's a video out on the internet um, of Snoop Dogg saying, just pay those women what they deserve. Mm. <laughs> you got to love Snoop. <laughs> He's always on the right side of history. Yeah, bit of, so... Bit of Snoop. Solidarity. Absolutely. And look, it's just really interesting. So we've got a women's world team, right, world-class mm. team that has won and obviously won several times over four World Cups. Uh, we've got a burgeoning, uh, you know, uh, soccer industry and women's soccer and it's gaining in popularity and it's outstripped the men's and yet they're still paid less than mm. the men. That's just crazy. But And there's no reason for it. There's no commercial reason for it. There's no philosophical reason for it, etc. And yet it still exists. And people say uh, sexism doesn't exist anymore in our equal world. Mm. Yes, it does. So, yeah. And there was, uh, I was listening to <coughs> um, a, 
another radio station, a public broadcaster the other you day. You traitor. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was out of range of... Uh, of course you were. <laughs> ...up in Melbourne. Uh, and so there was a former player for the um, Australian women's team whose name escapes me, unfortunately. Uh, but she was talking about how it's a double burden for women's soccer players mm. because you get paid less as a player. Uh, and it's not just about sort of elite women's sports players, you know, playing the World Cup, but that's mm. sort of that pay disparity filters right down to the lower levels. So it's particularly exactly. hard for amateur players because they just get paid absolute crumbs. Yeah. Um, for, for and these women might be supporting families, you know, they, they've, you know, some of them have got mortgage debts, they've got to pay their rent, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. so it's a huge sacrifice mm. for women to play soccer and try and work their way up to that elite level, mm. even if they make that elite level because of this pay disparity, there's no guarantee that you're really going to be adequately kind of recompensated for all of that time that you've put into getting to that elite level. And then when they finish, it's off into the workforce where there is also gender disparity. So it's like a double Mm. sort of whammy. That's really interesting. I hadn't actually thought about it that way. So even at the like the amateur levels where they, you know, when they're going in and they're getting paid, that gender um, like g- gap in pay means that less elite women are going into, um, you know, elite soccer or elite football or whatever. Because of that, because a lot of them, like us, have to work. They have to, you know, pay for all of their stuff. They have to support families. So in other words, we're kind of perpetuating that idea that, um, you know, that women's football, women's soccer isn't as good as men's. Well, yeah, if you can't get in and do what you love because you can't afford it, hmm. um, and yet the men can, you know, have livable wages, of course you're going to have that. It's a totally entrenched system. Hmm. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Not really interesting, but unfair. Mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see women's sport kicking goals, and I reckon uh, with chants yeah. like that spontaneously erupting. I know. The, the clock's it's ticking, and it's mm. it's got to be a matter of time yes. before there's equal pay in women's football. Surely. Absolutely. There is no logical reason for it. And, um, I mean, there's some really good like, – Megan Rapinoe is just really outspoken about these issues. It's great. Mm. Yeah. What a champ. She's not the only one, but she's very <laughs> – she's definitely top mm. profile. Yeah. I think it's time for Activist Calendar. Is that right, Zane? Indeed. Okay. What's up, listeners? This is Johnny Mac here. Just reminding everybody to tune in to 3CR at 11am each day from Monday, July the 8th to Friday, July the 12th for our special Beyond the Bars broadcast during NADOC. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. So make sure to listen in and support our brothers and sisters until they're home again. An urgent call-out to our listeners and supporters. Drew and Steve from the CFMEU Victaz have been personally fined by the ABCC a total of almost $20,000 for going on to a site to check up on safety standards. 
The ABCC has also ruled that the CFMEU can't pay the fine for them. If Drew and Steve can't pay by July the 19th, they'll be in contempt of court and will face jail time. To donate, go to unfairfines.raiselly.com. That's unfairfines.raiselly.com. 3CR is proudly Union Radio. Yeah, I spent three and a half years living on the street and I know what it's like to have no hope and not to feel part of the society and I think that's where a lot of these people are. But I think we need to help people who are traumatised and help people get back on their feet and give them hope and help them um, feel like they're a part of the society again instead of just moving them on like they're an inconvenience. If it were not for ruminations, how would the views of those of us who have been homeless or are homeless, how would these views ever be aired? How would they ever be expressed? Subscribe to the station that gives airtime to people with a lived experience of homelessness. Support 3CR. Alrighty. It is just past 8am, you're on 3CR, you're listening to Green Life Radio, and that means it's time for the activist calendar. Woo! If you want to get involved, listen in. Get amongst it. So the first uh, thing to mention today, it's from 10am to 12pm today at West Swanston Dock in uh, Mackenzie Road, West Melbourne. There's a uh, community picnic uh, for the MUA workers at DP World. Uh, they're fighting back against outsourcing, cuts to income protection insurance, dishonest bargaining and automation and union busting. And so the, uh, yeah, the, the workers are on strike at the moment and get along there to the, to the picnic and yeah. show your solidarity. Support the MUA strikes. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, there's not enough uh, industrial action these days, and yeah. the MUA are standing strong, and they're not copping it from DP World, and so we should stand together with them. Stand in solidarity with them, absolutely, yeah. Heck yes. Uh, as mentioned, Beyond the Bars today on 3CR, there's uh, two broadcasts, one from 11 to 1 p.m. and another one from uh, 1 to 2 p.m., Coming from uh, Lara from Bowen Prison and the um, the Karinga Annex, so yeah, that's uh, really kind of pioneering stuff that 3CR does. Uh, live radio broadcasts from uh, Victorian prisons for NADOC week. It's mm-hmm. been happening all week, and it's happening again today. So uh, stay tuned in throughout the day. Uh, coming up on July 26, as we've mentioned previously. Uh, don't panic, there is a Planet B. It's the Green Left Weekly annual comedy debate. So get along there. And uh, yeah, there's MC Rod Quantock, uh, there's Duff, Fiona Scott Norman, Hellchild, Kirsty Mack, Sean Bedlam, and Tom Tanuki. There's a tasty dinner available, there's a bar. Come and get on it, have some belly laughs, and uh, yeah, help keep uh, Green Left Weekly ticking along, kicking along and bringing you activist coverage of um, 
this rather problematic and highly unequal and disparate world we live in. There's a public meeting coming up on the uh, Tuesday next week, July 16. It's at 6.30pm with meal available from 6. It's animal liberation and capitalism. And I'm reliably informed of being getting quite a lot of interest online about that meeting. Yeah, so um, we're going to be interviewing um, Mary shortly. And Mary's article that she wrote on this um, late 2018, which I shared on the event, has gone totally viral and has been shared all around the world um, from in groups, yeah, pretty much all around the world. It's been amazing, hmm. yeah. Really, really good. There's a lot of interest for it. Um, just might point out that the um, the meal that we'll be serving. So this is a Green Left Weekly um, air public meeting. Uh, the meal will be a vegan meal um, as well. Yeah, and we've got different we've got different speakers. So we've got um, Kristen Lee from Vegan Rising, Mary Merkinich, who's a Green Left Weekly Socialist Alliance person, uh, and also uh, Dylan Fernando of um, Voices for Animals, I believe. So yeah, nice. Uh, and that's at the Resistance Centre, Level 5, 407 Swanston Street, up near uh, the State Library and RMIT. All right, Sunday, July 14, there's a rally, Free Assange, Free Manning. That's at 2 p.m. at the State Library. Monday, July 15, there's Organising Meeting, Sustainable Cities, our key work is stopping destructive mega toll road projects and winning better transport alternatives. 6.30 uh, p.m. at Balwyn Library, 336 Whitehorse Road, Balwyn. Uh, Wednesday, July 17, until Sunday, July 28, there is theatre, a room of one's own. Today was campaigns such as Me Too, Time's Up and Now Australia. A Room of One's owned by Virginia Woolf shines a light on our history with astounding relevance to contemporary society. And that's at La Mama Courthouse, 349 Drummond Street, Carlton. <coughs> uh, Friday, July 19, there's a silent sit-in protest to fight climate change. That's at 1.15pm. That's... Uh, just tell yourself it's a one and rock up fashionably <laughs> late and you'll be right on time. That's at uh, Flinders Street and Swanston Street intersection in the city. A prominent intersection, a good mm. place for a protest. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, July 20. There's a rally, six years too long, close Manus and Nauru, bring them here. That's at 2 p.m. at the State Library, 328 Swanston Street. Sunday, July 21, is the Victorian Socialist Conference, uh, meeting to discuss the next steps after the federal election. That's 9 to 5 at the MUA Hall, 45 Island Street, West Melbourne. Uh, Tuesday, July 23, there's a film screening, Ella. And it looks at the career of Ella Havelka, the first Indigenous dancer to be invited to the Australian Ballet in its 50-year history. Uh, it's at 6.30 p.m., at the Community Arts Centre, 45 Moreland Street, Footscray. Uh, and there's a couple more things. If you want to check that out, just get along to greenleft.org.au and do a search for the... You'll see the little calendar yes. icon. You can click I've on that. just got one more. Um, so I'm actually involved in this. There's the um, Extinction Rebellion Coburg Affinity Group is having an induction meeting and that's uh, July the 20th, 
and that's at uh, the Coburg Library, and that's from um, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. So if you're looking to get involved in an Extinction Rebellion and you live in that area, uh, do come along for the induction session. Cool, and it finishes yeah. at 1, so you can still get in for the refugee rally. Absolutely, after. yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, All right. well, yes. I'll just play a couple more announcements, and then we'll get Mary on the on the blower. This is Irene Bolger, former secretary of the Nurses Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR, radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. Alrighty, welcome back. You are listening to Green Earth Radio on 3CR. And on the phone, we have got Mary Merkinich, who is speaking at this meeting, which is coming up on Tuesday night, Animal Liberation and Capitalism. Welcome, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, Mary. Um, so I'll just give you an introduction. Mary is a long-term activist. Uh, she's also a teacher, and she's an activist on quite a number of different issues, social justice issues, uh, animal rights issues, etc. Mary ha- uh, is the author of uh, an article um, in Green Left Weekly, uh, Capitalism's Abuse of Animals Degrades Us All, uh, which has just recently gone viral and has been shared all around the world um, by various groups and, and people. Uh, and so... It, it seems, Mary, that this idea of animal liberation um, is is kind of, it's very much growing in popularity. And what we want to talk to you today uh, is about basically animal liberation and uh, capitalism, under capitalism and how capitalism um, exploits animals on such a massive, large scale. Now, Mary, you're a socialist, is that right? Yes. Yes. And look, are socialists interested in animal liberation? Does it fit into the class struggle scenario? Well, uh, I think it should, and I can't speak for all socialists, but I know there's a growing number of us that believe that it's important. Um, if, if you're against suffering, then why exclude one species? Why exclude a species that we know share so much in common with us, they can experience um, suffering, joy, happiness, um, all those emotions, um, as well as anguish, of course. And um, the current stage of development of the productive forces under capitalism not only makes the liberation of animals possible, but I think it also makes it necessary. Mm. And just you know, I think it's our disrespect of and low regard for nature in general, but animals also, that has brought us to the ecological crisis that we're at at the moment. Um, I don't think this is an, an attitude that is in the interest of working people. Um, it doesn't serve their interests. So, uh, therefore, I think it's in our interest to start thinking about what we're doing to the planet and in particular to other species. Absolutely. And, I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday and 
I'm thinking, you know what? It's it's almost like animals are the most exploited form of worker. And in fact, I wouldn't even call it working. I would almost I would call it slavery because obviously animals don't get reimbursed for their labour. Um, and often they pay with their lives for, you know, the products that they give us. So, you know, with their meat, their skin, their wool, etc. Um, there's so many conditions that, um, you know, that they are raised in that it's like slavery, which is the ultimate form of exploited worker. Um, and so with regards to things like, um, you know, so what, what does socialists think is the reason that animals are exploited and treated so badly? Well... Uh, I think everyone would probably agree that capitalism can, is making a, a huge buck out of the exploitation mm. and suffering of animals. Uh, you only have to look at Australia. Like uh, every year, something like 520 to 620 million animals are killed at abattoirs, and that's only at abattoirs. The Australian beef industry is worth almost $17 billion every year. Wow. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's a huge amount of money to be made and I I think that um, capitalism squeezes every ounce out of animals so that it can make this profit, the drive to mm. profit that is um, the motive force under capitalism, which is the same thing that exploits workers and it also does it um, to other species. It, it doesn't consider them as beings able to think or experience feelings and if it does... It simply dismisses it because it's not useful in its drive for profit. Absolutely. It's kind of like, um, you know, somebody asked me, well, you know, doesn't this cruelty occur under non-capitalist systems? And I had to think about that as well. And I went, well, hang on a sec. Capitalism inherently is exploitative and it's now global. And the systems that we use to produce our food, to produce the products, you know, that we so desperately need to make these profits... They are inherently exploitative, but they're also inherently large scale. I mean, these factory farms that, you know, are found across the planet, they're just, some of them are as big as, as you know, counties or, you know, sometimes as big as countries. And the, the lagoons of waste that they have, like these huge um, kind of systems of pollution, um, you know, that just basically decimate our rivers and, and you know, pour carbon into the air, These are on such a large scale that the exploitation under capitalism of animals is on a scale that's unprecedented in history. And I think that's kind of the reason why um, we're focusing on capitalism, animal liberation and capitalism, because I don't think ever before we've had such a wide-scale exploitation of animals. Is that right? Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think there's some, you know, important examples. There's uh, a company called Smithfield Foods Incorporated. It's the world's largest pork producer mm. um, and its massive operations have also wiped out small farmers both in, in the US and Eastern Europe but also in Africa. In 1997 it was fined $12.6 million for a toxic spill at a Virginia facility that was twice as big as the Exxon Valdez oil spill in Alaska. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah and, and this was from animal waste um, and the judge who, who made this decision also cited the company company's lengthy and persistent history of water pollution violations. So, um, yeah, what you've said is correct. You know, the, the scale of it, um, it's something like one-third of the planet that is now animal agriculture. Um, and I don't think this would have occurred without the profit motive driving it in that direction. 
Yeah, which kind of leads me into my third question, which is, you know, does the animal industry have any other consequences besides the obvious harm to animals? So there's harm to the environment. You mentioned, you know, the the wide-scale pollution of, um, you know, the the rivers. Um, In the US, I watched a documentary, and they have these vast lagoons of animal waste, and um, they were talking about not only does it pollute the rivers, but the communities around them have all of these um, diseases like respiratory diseases. Um, you know, it, it affects their health because what they do is um, they use like um, sprinklers and they sprinkle it onto grass. And so that waste gets aerosoled into the air of these communities. And look, let's be honest, these communities, exactly. And these communities are, as, as usual, lower socioeconomic communities Mm. who aren't going to be, um, you know, screaming, Hey, our health is being affected. Mm. Or if they do, no one's going to listen. So I guess that's another sort of example. Can you give some other consequences, um, you know, of, the, of the sort of the wider effects of animal agriculture and animal exploitation? Yeah, certainly. Well, we don't often think of the workers that work in the factories where animals are slaughtered. Mm. Um, and yet I recently read this um, uh, piece by a UK journalist where she said that when you walk into these big complexes, the first thing that hits you is the smell, which is the smell of warm blood and, and bleach. Um, and some of the workers who turn up on their first day, they will vomit. Others will just walk out and leave. Um, mm. So there's a high level of alienation that's needed to be able to do what they do every day, which is kill animals that have done nothing to them and that are totally freaked out and know what's going to happen to them. Um, and so there, there's a psychological effect on the workers because they're slaughtering hundreds, sometimes thousands of animals every day for, Mm. what is it, you know, 350 days a year or whatever. Um, So you can imagine that must have some effect on these people. And in fact, the studies indicate several things. A lot of these workers end up with um, problems sleeping. Um, Some of them have uh, PTSD um, or other psychological illnesses because of the alienation, as I said, that that is required. And the other thing that studies have found is that in communities with abattoirs, there is a higher incidence of child and domestic abuse. Um, Mm. There's also drug abuse, there's alcohol abuse um, that's higher than in similar communities that don't have abattoirs. Um, Interesting. So that's just, you know, one effect on, um, on the workers, as I said, that we often don't really think about. Um, but, you know, that, that's also really important. And then, of course, there's the other side, which is that animal products aren't only dead animals, which in and of itself is, is really bad, but also sometimes they cause the death of consumers because um, these companies, just like other companies, um, seek to minimise their costs and so mm. maybe their um, food handling methods or, or whatever are not so safe. So you get outbreaks of diseases such as salmonella or listeria and E. chylo. Um, and of course, it's, it's been stated quite clearly in recent years that meat consumption is not very healthy. So they're just a couple of other um, consequences of, of this industry. Absolutely. And um, I know we've spoken about this um, previously, but 
Um, capitalism seems to see uh, animals that produce product for them as simply units of profit. But on the other hand, capitalism seems to see wild animals in wild ecosystems as a hindrance to profit because, you know, um, people are going to call for the saving of the orangutans or endangered species in, in ecosystems that are about to be bulldozed to produce beef on the Amazon, you know, on Amazon rainforest mm. land or, you know, um, you know, palm oil plantations in um, Borneo or whatever. Um, so we kind of see this, this duality of uh, animals are either units of profit or they're units of hindrance to profit. Can you speak on that? Uh, well, I can only agree with what you've already said. You, you've sort of detailed it. I mean, the loss of habitat is a major problem um, mm. in the extinction of species. Um, and in Australia, that, that's a big, big issue. Um, but it is also overseas, as, as you've um, uh, alluded to. Um, so, yes, I, I agree. I think they're either units of profit um, that can be used to help produce something or, on the other hand, to be there to be consumed. So, um, you know, something that, that um, is a uh, product. Sorry, I'm repeating myself. Um, no, that's but, okay. <laughs> but there's another aspect too because um, we, ha- we also have this contradictory a- attitude to animals because especially in Western capitalist societies, a lot of us have pets and the pet mm. industry is mm. also a, um, a a big profit industry. Absolutely, um, not yeah. Not just with the, um, the pet food industry, and, you know, we've seen a couple of examples there where corners have been cut um, because of cuts to, to production and animals have died because of the, um, the disease, diseases or the bacteria contained in the food. Um, so, we, yeah, as... as, indi- as Individuals under capitalism, we ourselves have contradictory attitudes towards animals and um, we need to look at that as well. Um, I've sort of strayed from your original question. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Look, this is all kind of relevant and, you know, the fact that we have this kind of cognitive dissonance between the animals that we see as pets and the animals that we see as food, yet in some other cultures the animals that we see as pets are food Mm. and we've kind of got that cognitive dissonance. So we might feel disgusted that someone uh, in Asia is eating a dog but what's the difference between a pig and a dog? And, you know, I have actually read or somewhere that pigs are... Exactly, yeah. you know. a cow and a dog. And in India, of course, you know, cows are sacred animals. So yeah. yeah. It's very yeah, interesting, that kind mm-hmm. of cognitive dissonance, but also that cultural dissonance where we will feel disgusted that someone's eating an animal that we have segregated into the pet category or whatever. Uh, this is all really interesting. I, we've got to wind up the the interview, but um, now, Mary, you're going to be speaking at that public meeting, Animal Liberation and Capitalism, uh, this coming Tuesday at the Resistance Centre, so 407 Swanson Street, and that's at 6.30. So um, if anyone is interested in, in um, what you have to say in this, this interview, we do encourage them to come along. You're one of the speakers there um, and explore this idea a bit more because... It's really gaining popularity and um, it's, it's good to think about these things and open our minds to uh, ideas that perhaps maybe we haven't really thought about and we ha- or we have maybe have this cognitive dissonance about. So thank you so much, Mary, for talking to us and um, we'll see you at the information session on Tuesday. Yes, thank you for inviting me. Excellent, thank you. Bye. Yes, bye. Cheers. See you, Mary.
Yes. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, Mary, that was yeah. Mary. And, um, look, uh, there are actually a number of solutions that we didn't get to talk about, unfortunately, but um, we th- there will be these kinds of solutions at the information session and, um, yeah, just talking about what we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mary, worth mentioning too, she's a staunch uh, unionist, member of the Absolutely. Australian Education Union. Yeah, no, she's mm-hmm. very strong in, uh, in advocating for the union, uh, for the teachers' union, definitely. Yeah. Word. Um, all right. Well, I think... Um, Winding up. We're getting ready for the Beyond Zero Emissions, guys. They're going to come in and tell you everything that uh, is happening with environmental issues, um, you know, across the week. Uh, the Beyond Zero Emission guys are fantastic. They've got, um, they've always got the latest stats and the latest issues and what you can do to combat the planet going to crap, as you said, Lily. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's all good. All right. Well, I reckon we might uh, finish in a slightly different manner this week because it's uh, NADOC week. Yes. So I reckon we might wrap it up with a bit of uh, treaty by oh. Yossi Yundi. Yes, and I'd also just like to thank our guest uh, presenter, Lily. Thank you for coming in. I'm yeah. sure we'll see you again. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks. Word. All right. Uh, yeah, catch you next week. Oh, man.